morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Wednesday, July 8th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Welcome to Rocket City Lift. I'm Brett Goodman. And I'm Tara Bulger. We come to you three times a week and we try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We're excited to continue about to-, to talking about reaching out in faith. But before that discussion, let us begin with a prayer by Johann Freilinghausen. Let us pray. The night is here. Be near to me, dear Jesus. Be a bright candle shining in the dark driving the sin from my heart. Guide me, dear Jesus. Guide my steps through this gloomy path that I may arrive safely in heaven. The stars glisten in the sky. Teach me, dear Jesus. Teach me to discern the truth amidst falsehood that even now I may see signs of your glory. Amen. Amen. Our scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 30. Please listen for a word from God. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this well will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will 
proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brett, for our fun question today, what's the best prank you've ever pulled? The best prank I've ever pulled, um, I haven't pulled too many great ones, but uh, I had three roommates in college and one of them got up, for, he was a football player, so he got up for lifting at like 6 a.m. And the other three of us usually went to bed at about 3 a.m. And the football player had a really strict routine of everything he did in the morning. Um, and so we changed all of the clocks when we went to bed at 3 a.m. And his alarm went off and every single clock, including his phone, had been changed. So he started going through his whole routine as we stayed in bed giggling. And then there was one clock, after he'd gone through most of his morning routine, there was one clock we had forgotten in the other room and he realized it. But then we said, isn't it so great you get three more hours of sleep? And he's like, actually, yeah, that is pretty great. How about you? So um, I guess 10 years ago, my mom had to have her knee replaced. And so my older brother and I went, this was in March, went to be with her. And part of our job was to get what she would need for her recovery. And one of the things she needed was like an elevated potty chair. Mm -hmm. So my brother and I, of course, are goofing around. And Todd, at one point, is sitting on the potty chair, and I take a picture, and we don't think a thing more about it. But So that's in March. But Christmas of that year, you know those photo Christmas cards? Yeah. I got like 10 of them printed out that said, Merry Christmas from the Bulgers, with that picture. Um, and I sent it to my brother and told him that I sent it to everyone I knew. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Never have I exhibited such patience. It's great. That, that... <laughs> That is, you were, played the long game for I sure. I did, and I have no patience, so that was a good one. Um, Brett, often when we talk about this text about the woman at the well, we focus on the living water section. But what do you think this narrative as a whole reveals about Jesus? Yeah, so I think the living water section is super important, but this is one of my favorite narratives in Scripture. As, as Jesus uh, kind of ignores all cultural faux pas of one talking to a woman alone, mm-hmm. two talking to there are different arguments of you know was this woman an adulteress or did she just have really bad luck and so her husbands had died so she was afraid to marry her mm-hmm. the last one, um, but either way she was kind of an outcast in her society and she was a Samaritan which. Uh, we're actually very close to Jews, um, and it's kind of that uh, difference of someone who is really close to your line of thinking. They're like step-siblings almost, so someone who's really close to your thinking, so you dislike them even more because yeah. they're, they're yep. close to you, but they mm-hmm. think differently. And to, so to talk to this woman in so many different aspects um, and to stay with her uh, and proclaim the good news uh, mm-hmm. about this inclusive worship that will happen, this inclusive saving that he is bringing, I think is just 
the story of scripture, of, yeah. of people who are on the margins, people who are on the outside, and even people, my favorite thing is when he talks to her about her husband, she immediately brings up like a theological question. You know, we worship on the mountain. You guys mm-hmm. worship in Jerusalem. Who's right? And distract, distract. Yeah, distract, distract. <laughs> uh, and he completely ignores. And, you know, that's, I think, what we often do is when we feel threatened that we might change um, by Jesus, then we try to, you know, skirt to some yeah. big, deep, theological, philosophical question. And Jesus just comes back to, um, we're all called to worship and we're all called to love. Yeah. What do you think? So here's what I love about what this tells me about Jesus. Um, One is that Jesus puts himself into places where he will be surrounded by people who aren't like him. Mm. I don't think mainline churches do that well. So, for instance, everywhere I go, I go to the grocery store where everyone looks just like me. I go to Target where everyone looks just like me. I'm in this bubble of sameness. Um, and so I love that Jesus is willing to go out into places. Um, actually, I was reading about this passage. There was another route to go where he was going. Mm-hmm. But, you know, intentionally, I think he goes to this place. I think the second thing I we, love is... We usually, uh, when we have two routes, we'll even take the longer route not to go yes. uh, to a place Is there where, anything uncomfortable there? Let's yeah. go around it. And then I think the other thing I love is that she kind of insults him when he first speaks with her, when she says, who are you, a Jew? Um, that was the way she said it um, and the way it's interpreted is that's an insult, right, to call him that. Mm-hmm. And he's not put off. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I am more than willing to help someone if they react the way I think they should. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but the minute someone challenges me or isn't grateful, suddenly I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And so I love that he is in proximity with people who are different. And I love that he's tenacious Mm. and that he isn't put off by theological misdirection or an insult or any of those things. And, you know, in my own life, my own story is that I ran from God from Christ for a very long time. And boy, am I glad that he was tenacious with me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he, he brings to the question of, you know, the question of altruism is, is, are we just being kind so that we'll be thanked? Can, can we, can we continue to love when the reaction is not what we want it to be? Can we stick it out? Um, yeah. Or is the love, completely self-serving that we're giving in which case it's not love um, yeah it's it's a it's a charity uh to elevate our own pride and our own lostness uh-huh yeah and I, you know the part where she asked him about where they worship to me that's like let's not talk about my sin yeah. <laughs> let's talk about this lofty issue you know yeah. what i mean how many times has the church said let's not talk about our sin let's talk about who we ordain and what we're you know what i mean mm-hmm. i just um, I feel like um, I feel like living my life day to day as close to Christ-like as I can. That is more than enough work for the day. Yeah, and and even as a church, someone can use that as a defense of yeah. um, of you know what are these what are these big philosophical issues so that we can't you know, um, 
address what's really hurting with them, and and we get and we get drawn into uh, these really big sweeping concepts that don't actually really pertain to our community yeah. at that moment at all. Yeah. Uh, but it becomes all-consuming, and we ignore um, what's what's the hurt right in front of us. I do also want to say I don't discount the big decisions and the theological discussions. I, in fact, embody the fact that uh, we had a big split about ordination of women, and and I am privileged to be in the position I am now because of that. But I think what I am saying is that perspective Mm -hmm. is always deeply valuable. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. For our closing quote, it is attributed to Mother Teresa. She says, do not think that love, in order to be genuine, has to be extraordinary. What we need is to love without getting tired. Be faithful in small things, because it is in them that your strength lies. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll be back on Friday with our special guest, the Reverend Emily Wilmarth. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you know when new episodes come out. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is upon you. Amen. Amen.